This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we're here to bring you a half hour of your community spirit. Um, yesterday, right? Yesterday was Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> and um, I hope you enjoyed the sunny weather because, um, well, it's kind of been frozen solid. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I came back from Arizona where I spent two weeks um, partially working at, well, I ended up doing a pretty strange and unusual thing. I might get into that a little more detail in a second. Um, but anyway, I flew back in from Arizona, where it was 71 degrees, and I got off the plane, and the pilot um, kind of said, well, welcome to St. Louis. It's 21 degrees right now. <laughs> and, well, I actually haven't felt cold since I've been back. Because, like, I guess f- all the moisture's frozen, so it means it's not really cold, right? Yeah. It's the humidity. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's not the cold, it's humidity. And I've actually mostly felt warm, too, this whole time. Uh, but that's a combination of keeping bundled up and all that humidity being on the ground and, st- and all of the extra activity involved in walking through the ice and the snow. Yep. Um, I think it's because it's the time of the year. There's a lot of love floating around, so it yeah. keeps you warm in your heart. Yeah, as long love as is you, in the air. Yeah, as long as you have a warm heart, the rest of the body doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so, um, what I ended up doing, I, I, I went to a solar dealer conference the second week, but the first week I ended up powering for four days, um, a bicycle powered event. Well, the bicycles themselves didn't power it. People pedaled the bicycles <laughs> and produced the energy for on-site power and also to uh, power a half hour of the Super Bowl pregame show. Yeah. And so I spent, well, actually literally a, a week in the parking lot uh, at the Super Bowl. And at this point, I really don't like the Super Bowl. But I met a lot of cool behind-the-scenes people who made a lot of the stuff there happen. And I actually did get to see, like, the last half hour or 15 minutes of the, the actual game, mm-hmm. So, um, which I understand was the only important part of the game. So. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it's a project that shows the power of the people and the power of renewable energy. So I thought that was fun. So if you actually want to see some of the stuff I did, you can just do a search on YouTube for Amp Human Energy. And it shows how, well, humans can make amps, as in the very basic form of electricity. So, But I'm back in town now, and we're going to talk a little bit about happenings. 
Um, well, t- there's been a whole series of films and discussions put out by the Big Muddy IMC. And uh, today, Friday the 15th, Enron, the smartest guys in the room. This film chronicles the Texas con men who, reporting imaginary profits while concealing real losses, rode the bull market into America's largest bankruptcy by shamelessly victimizing their employees and buying influence from politicians. Um, Every Friday at 7 p.m. at the Big Muddy IMC, which is at 214 North Washington Street in Carbondale, there's, well, film and discussion series. Yes. And uh, next week... Friday, the February 22nd, is a film called An Unreasonable Man about uh, Ralph Nader. <laughs> so. Yeah, sounds good. I always like the Film Friday series at the IMC. So in other happenings, other media-related happenings, actually, someone passed this along to us, the Sierra Club Chronicles on the Sundance Channel. Uh, now airing on the Sundance Channel, watch Sierra Club Chronicles. That's on uh, the green which is Sundance Channel's destination for environmental topics. A new episode will air every Thursday at 9 p.m. from February 5th through March 18th. So it looks like we've already missed the beginning of that, but there's plenty more where that came from. The uh, Sierra Club Chronicle is uh, uh, seven of David versus Goliath stories about the dramatic effects of omitted individuals across the country or committed individuals (laughs) across the country working to protect the health of their environment and their communities. It's hosted by Daryl Hanna. So once again, that's uh, it sounds interesting. It's interesting to see that Sierra Club in the big major media like that. Uh, Sierra Club on the green on the Sundance channel. And if you don't actually happen to have uh, the satellite or the cable, there is a local show on WSIU Channel 8, every Sunday morning at 11 called E2. And it is um, about the same kind of show. That's, well, um, if you want famous people, it's narrated by, you know, somebody famous. Uh, I'm not going to let you know because I forgot who it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but you'll have to tune in to find out. (laughs) I'm glad you had the info on that because I had heard about that, but I didn't know when it was. It's just a half-hour show every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. And it's a new show every week. Um... Now, I want to let you know something. Yesterday was the first day that all cell phone numbers are being released to telemarketing companies, and you will start to receive sales calls. So I recommend that you add your name to the list if you don't want to receive telemarketing phone calls on your cell phone. And, of course, you will be charged for these calls because, well, it's your cell phone. To prevent this, call the following number from your cell phone. This is the National Do Not Call List. It will take a moment of your time. The number is 1-888-382-1222. Again, it's toll-free. One, well, with the cell phone, uh, all calls are free. (laughs) But anyway, 1-888-382-1222. You can also call this number from a regular phone to opt out. It blocks your number for five years. You must call from the phone number you want to have blocked. You cannot call from a different number and say, hey, block this number. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So essentially, you block somebody else's number. (laughs) Yeah, you can only block your own. So, um, again, the do not call number is 888 
382-1222. Okay, and in other, in other happenings, this is actually more of a news thing, but uh, there's, I wanted to mention that the, uh, the Gaia House, the project that's being worked on by UCM here in town, that there's more information about it now online. They've got a new uh, snazzier website. It's over at www.ucmsiuc.org, and you go to that and click on Gaia House. It's got all sorts of info about the project. And I was excited to see that site come up because it's an exciting project. So the more people find out about it, the better. And this one's close to my heart, and I don't know if you're aware that they've eliminated, well, they're set to expire at the end of this year, all tax credits having to do with energy efficiency and renewable energy. Credits where credits are due. House Democrats make another push for renewable energy incentives. Democrats in the House of Representatives have introduced legislature that would extend renewable energy incentives, which were booted out of both the recent energy bill and the economic stimulus bill. The House legislation would provide tax breaks for in- investments in energy efficiency and solar wind and geothermal power. It would be financed mostly by repealing some $13.6 billion in tax breaks currently enjoyed by crazy rich oil and gas companies. The House legislation passed the committee on Tuesday, but likely won't be taken up by the full chamber until next week. There's a reason to hustle. Some current clean energy incentives will expire at the end of this year if they're not renewed. Straight to the source, Dow Jones and the Associated Press. All right, let's see. So we can get on to some more of the other news. This next one, uh, we've said a little bit about this story in the past, but here's an update. Hide and Shriek. That's hide as in formaldehyde. (laughs) (laughs) Hide and Shriek. The CDC confirms FEMA trailers tainted with formaldehyde, and residents are urged to move. Uh, The U.S. Centers for Disease Control has confirmed that the trailers used to house the Gulf Coast hurricane victims are tainted with high levels of formaldehyde. The Federal Emergency Management Agency urged residents of over 35,000 of the trailers to move out as soon as possible, especially families with kids, elderly folks, and those with chronic illnesses. Formaldehyde contamination of the trailers had been suspected for quite a while, but was just recently confirmed by the CDC. There is no federal standard for formaldehyde in homes, but the levels found in more than 500 trailers tested were four times the average amount that's usually found in new homes and in some cases was 40 times more. So breathing formaldehyde, not a good thing. Formaldehyde is a suspected carcinogen and has been known to cause respiratory problems, so it's difficult to know who's worse off, the trailer residents who have been living and breathing in their tainted trailers or the residents who had been holding their breath waiting for FEMA to act. Straight to the source, Washington Post and Associated Press. Well, I've been talking about human-powered gadgets. PowerWalk. Knee brace gadget harvests energy from walking. Frustrated by your iPod batteries dying while you're on the treadmill? Keep an eye out for a new knee brace designed to harvest energy from a walker's stride. From only one minute of movement, the device device outlined in the journal Science can generate enough energy to power a cell phone for half an hour. 
a lightweight version of the brace could be available within 18 months, and quote, promises to have significant medical, military, and s- consumer applications, says lead researcher Max Donalu. Quote, it allows a soldier to get back home safely. It benefits stroke victims and amputees and others who rely on power-assisted medical devices for mobility. And of course, could keep your iPod going if you shake a leg. (laughs) Straight to the source, BBC News, The New York Times, a telegraph science now. So let's see, in other news... I've got to mention this one because someone online was trying to tell me what a great investment uh, the Canada's tar sands are. <laughs> so here's some of the downsides. How crude. Midwest refineries source more crude from tar sands. Emissions will rise. Emissions from Midwest oil refineries are expected to jump by up to 40% in the next 10 years, thanks in large part to an industry-wide trend of sourcing crude oil from Canada's tar sands. The sands produce petroleum of such poor quality that it requires more energy, and thus more pollution, to process it into usable fuel. The trend flies in the face of national and regional efforts to curb greenhouse gases, not to mention oil companies' lip service to renewable energy and climate change mitigation. Quote, We take climate change very, very seriously, says Bill Gerwing of oil giant BEP which is proposing to expand a Chicago-area refinery to process more Canadian crude. How seriously do they take it? Quote, We are willing to pay for our emissions with offsets. Ah, that seriously. Straight to the source, the Chicago Tribune. <laughs> yeah. So... Here in the Midwest, we talk a lot about ethanol. Ethanol as the fuel that will save us against ethanol odds. Biofuel is not helpful in climate change fight, a new study say. Two new studies published in the journal Science conclude that growing and burning biofuels actually increases net greenhouse gas emissions and exacerbates climate change. The new research questions the assumptions of earlier studies, making sure to incorporate the effects of land use changes into the emissions calculations. When land use changes are taken into account, turns out that plowing up rainforests and grasslands to make way for biofuel crops tips the balance, making biofuels more problematic than helpful. Biofuels proponents, including the powerful U.S. ethanol lobby, have for years cited figures asserting that biofuels made from crops like corn release about 20% fewer emissions overall than gasoline, and that fuel from switchgrass emits about 70% less. One of the new studies, however, found that due to the impact of plowing up new fields, corn-based ethanol nearly doubles greenhouse gas emissions compared to gasoline, and that fuels made from switchgrass increase emissions by about 50%. Not all biofuels are net losers, though. The study authors suggested that producing biofuels from waste products still makes sense. Straight to the source, the Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Associated Press. So, can't win everything, huh? Nope, not quite. Yeah. In other news, urban legends. Cities run into roadblocks in attempts to reduce CO2. Announcing an ambitious plan to reduce a city's greenhouse gases is the easy part. When it comes to putting goals into action, local officials tend to run up against significant roadblocks. To take just a few examples, the subprime mortgage crisis 
has left taxpayers across the country unable to find efficiency-minded proposals. Um, across the Honer, across the country, homeowners associations have vetoed plans for home solar panels on aesthetic grounds. I, I, st- I still, I'll interject my commentary here. I still don't get the whole aesthetic grounds objections for solar panels and you know wind generation. Well, that's because they're so much uglier than roads and power lines. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, you, you were taking me seriously. Why did you say yeah? You don't take me seriously on that one. That's not true. Yeah, no, I, well, that's why I laughed, you know. I, I guess I should have said, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> sure they are. In any case, though, in one city, police pushed back against plans for less polluting cop cars, saying that it would restrict the needed speed. And everywhere, individ- well, I guess maybe they should drive the Tesla Roadster. <laughs> <laughs> and everywhere, individuals are resistant to changing their habits. Quote, They've seen the Al Gore movie, but they still have their lifestyle to contend with, says Ann Hancock of the California-based Climate Protection Campaign. With that in mind, says Laura uh, Filfick of the Dallas Office of Environmental Quality, quote, The idea is to figure out what emissions we're going to go after and what we can do and then set the goal. When you set the bar too high, it becomes demotivating. Straight to the source, the New York Times. I'm going to try to say this. The Velorution will be incentivized. Wisconsin College gives away bikes to students who pledge not to drive. Ripon College, a private liberal arts school in Wisconsin, has launched a program to give new bikes to first-year students who pledge not to bring their cars to campus for the year. Prompted by concerns that the school might have to expand parking lots into green space if the growing student population keeps driving to and parking at the school, Ripon decided to take the unconventional approach instead. The school hopes a few hundred of these year's new students will agree to the deal, especially those who were originally planning on driving administrators. Administrators have high hopes. Quote, we are trying to change the culture, said Ripon President David Joyce. Quote, I figure it's easier to bribe people than to punish them. Students who take the bribe will get a free um, free Trek 820 mountain bike complete with lock and helmet. Students, you will be tested on this. Psst, this is a test. Don't fail it. Associated Press, the Chronicle of Higher Education and Ripon College. That's interesting. Instead of building more parking get people to say they won't drive. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. It's probably cheaper, too. Yeah. And, um, well, it's kind of uh, exercising, too. Yeah. I remember seeing... I I keep bringing this up. If you ever have a chance to see this, it's a a video of this guy who drives his car and this other guy who's driving his bicycle. (laughs) And the the guy in the car keeps getting frustrated because the bicyclist keeps passing him because he keeps getting stuck in a traffic and they were both driving to the gym (laughs) yeah i think i've seen that one actually it's a pretty good one so in other news insect aside that's not insecticide that's insect aside (laughs) historical warm periods linked to increased insect activity this news has us buggin historical warm periods have been linked with an explosion of insect activity. You be bugging, I be bugging, we all be bugging. <laughs> yeah, bugging out. <laughs> and not-so-distant future warm periods 
may very well see the same increase, says new research published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Not only, not only that, but elevated carbon dioxide levels may cause plants to produce fewer nutrients, so the insects must gobble more foliage in order to mitigate their hunger. That's bad news for humans who wanted to eat all of those bug-devoured crops. Oh, now where did we put all of our insect repellent? Straight to the source, Live Science, The Independent, and National Geographic News. Well, coming out of India, first of all, they came out with the world's cheapest car. Now they're coming out with engineer plans to sell compressed air car in India within the year. Could folks in India be driving a car that runs on compressed air within the year? French engineer Guy Negre says it will be so. Tata Motors, well, they're the ones that produce the world's cheapest car. Yes. <laughs> Tata Motors has backed his invention, a five-seater called the One Cat, which will produce no emissions and cost around $5,000. Quote, the first buyers of the car will be people who care about the environment, says Nagri, who hopes the investors around the world will set up factories to build a car using local materials, cutting down on shipping emissions also. Quote, I really hope he succeeds, It's Terry Spall of the UK Institution of Mechanical Engineers. It is a really brave experiment in producing a sustainable car. Straight to the source, BBC News. So, compressed air car. Huh. Yeah, I heard about that. I've, I, yeah, I mean, I've seen videos of it before. I mean, matters what kind of air. <laughs> yeah. Capture, capture a lot of... There's a lot of hot air going around, so if we could capture that, it would definitely, definitely save our planet. Yeah, if we could bottle that and use it for energy. <laughs> so, in other news, paper thin. The world inches towards becoming paper-free. Yeah, right. <laughs> this this right here is supposed to be the computer age, and now what they do is they have one copy on the computer, and they print one copy out. Yeah, because <laughs> they're afraid the computer copy is going to disappear. Yeah, it's... Or because they don't want to read it on a computer. <laughs> Well, we're we're doing computer f- uh, use here at the Year Community Spirit. We're paper free at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it's true. We used to print off all the news. Now, well, this is a little more expensive. You have a laptop, and I have a laptop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't know. We'd have to do some math to see uh, the the battery power of the laptop versus the uh, the consumption of you know ten pieces of paper. <laughs> well, I mean, the paper is disposable, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, paper thin. Worldwide paper consumption has plateaued after rising steadily for the past two decades. And the world's richest countries saw a 6% decline in paper use between 2000 and 2005. Some folks forecast that a paper-free world is nigh, and trends back up that prediction. In more and more homes, uh, you're more likely to find a scanner than a post-it. Worldwide shipment of personal scanners nearly doubled from 2005 to 2007 and are expected to nearly double again by 2010. Efficiency is likely driving the trend more than eco-mindedness, but a paperless world would certainly mean less stress on forests, along with an increase in energy use and electronic waste, which is what we were just getting there with some of our own commentary. (laughs) Uh, Straight to the source, the New York Times. Shoulder the Tap. Campaigns will let restaurant patrons donate the Drinking Water Project. 
Mark your calendars for the week of March 16, when diners at participating restaurants can choose to drink local tap water instead of bottled water and donate a dollar to the TAP project. Proceeds from the project benefit UNICEF's efforts to provide clean drinking water to children in developing countries. The TAP project was started pro bono last year by New York City boutique exec David Draga. It raised $100,000 in New York last year, which will go forth to more than a dozen additional cities next month and may go global in 2009. Straight to the source, the New York Times, the Richmond Times-Dispatch. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but... Tap water is actually regulated much more heavily than bottled water is. And in the majority of instances, bottled water is tap water that's put in a bottle and sits in the bottle for a while, and then you drink it. So it's not even as fresh as tap water. Yeah. So... um, yeah, just because the bottle has a nice little picture of a mountain and some trees on it doesn't mean it's actually from a, you know, a fresh spring or anything like that. And actually, we used to say that the world would be messed up when water was more expensive than gasoline. Mm-hmm. Most people don't seem to realize, but it is if you buy bottled water. Yeah. I mean, it actually is. And um, water is in short supply. So... Let's not pollute the planet with the bottles while we drink water. Yeah, that's like a double whammy. (laughs) So in other news, Philly reception. Date set for presidential debate on scientific issues. This should be interesting. Organizers of a proposed presidential debate on science and technology have set a date and place. That's coming up April 18th in Philadelphia, just before the Pennsylvania primary. All four of the viable presidential candidates have been invited. Uh, Will they show up to the debate? Uh, Will they show up to debate the United States' paltry investment in energy research, the necessity of taxing fossil fuel use, and more? That's a good question. Quote, This has never been about a science quiz, says Sean Otto, CEO of Debate Organizers Science Debate Incorporated. (laughs) Uh, Quote, It has always been about the big policy issues facing the next president, whether we're going to do something about climate change or not, what kind of world your kids are going to be living in in 10 or 15 years, and how we are going to respond to peak oil. None of the candidates have yet responded to the invite, and chances are decent that they'll all decline. But at least they're giving it a try. Straight to the source, The New York Times, Business Week, and MSNBC. Well, this has been another exciting and hopefully informative half hour of your community spirit. I'm going to read this headline. We were talking about water. Dead Mead. Lake Mead could run out of water by 2021, says a study. There's a 50-50 chance that the Arizona-Nevada bordering human-made Lake Mead could become dry glutch mead by 2021, according to a study to be published in the journal Water Resources Research. And that's actually a conservative estimate. By 2017, there's an equal good chance that water levels in the reserve would drop so low that the Hoover Dam would be incapable of producing hydroelectric power. Lake Mead provides water to thirsty cities, including Los Angeles and Las Vegas. So, water. Critical, important. Go drink some right now. (laughs) So far... Los Angeles and Las and Las Vegas run out of uh, 
water, there's going to be a lot of thirsty gamblers and a lot of thirsty actors. <laughs> well, I hope this has been exciting and informative. I'm going to throw on a little bit of sunshine ritual. I said that like a Yes, stay energized.